Well done. I'm going to pray. Father God, come and uh, take these words and help us to help us to hear you and know you and be transformed by you into your likeness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, anybody here like wild swimming? Yes, you know wild swimming, it's the thing that we just used to do when we were kids, that was just called swimming, but now it's a wellness exercise, um, you know, um, I, I, I love wild swimming, swimming in a pool, Meg likes swimming in a pool sometimes, I'm like, what, just going up and down, boring, what, I'm like, I've done, I've done two laps, two lengths, that's enough, and now I'm ready for my coffee, my latte, and you know, not black coffee actually, um, Wild swimming, though, I'm like, come on, get me in the river, get me in the sea, come on, that's brilliant, I love that. And I love, especially, if you can get to swim to the point where you're out of your depth. Um, so we should have a slide of us swimming in the ocean. Uh, there's us, um, with a whole bunch of people way out of our depth and loving it. You know, does anyone else, um, I think you're in that picture somewhere as well, Matt, yeah, somewhere, who are all those people? I'll, I'll tell you later. Mum's in there somewhere. Um, one of the things that I really love is I really love being out of my depth. Okay? If you, want, if you want my learning style, my learning style is drop me in at the deep end, and by sinking, I hopefully will learn how to swim. And that's, for me, that's my learning style. So apologies to everyone else around me where if I treat you like that, and then, you know, that's really not for you. Just please let me know, and we'll go a little bit slower. Slower? So it's, how, how, it's only 23 minutes past. I'm only rumbling my words. <sighs> you know, I love being out of my depth. It's my place where I kind of go, yeah, oh, come on, right, we've got to figure this out. How does this work? And um, one of the things that I, I both love and hate being out of my depth with is stuff around the Holy Spirit. I hate it because I, I have a, you know, one of, really the start of, of feeling called by God was, was being in a place where I was utterly out of my depth and then running away because I hated it so much. And I've reinvested in doing that, some, some of that stuff a, a couple of years ago. Anyone know Simon Gillibo? Lives over in Coombe Down, yeah. I went out on the streets with Simon Gillibo. He is, he is wonderful, but but he, his out of the depth is so way beyond mine. And he took us out on the streets in, in Bath to share faith with people that we didn't ever know. And I was utterly terrified. But it was sort of good. A bit. Um, I love being out of my depth. The other day, I'm, I'm, I'm walking along the canal. And uh, Sunday afternoon, last Sunday, and... As I was walking along, I hear this couple behind me, the two people behind me, talking away about something that was difficult in her life. And, and, and as I heard her talk about this thing, I, I, I did slow down a little bit, but not too much, so it was rude. <laughs> I, I, just, I just felt the Holy Spirit going, you need to pray for her. I was like, really? I'm walking on the canal on a Sunday afternoon. Really, me praying for two strangers is going to be weird. And especially with this subject, this is going to be uber weird. And I, so I was like, I did the deal thing with God. It never works out well, by the way. Never. I don't know why we do it. I was like, okay, we're coming up to a junction. If they turn the same way as I am going to go, then I will pray for them. 
Uh, oh, but they did, of course. So I walked up to them. I, I slowed down enough, let them catch up with me. And I said, I said excuse me, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but um, I couldn't help overhearing your conversation. And, and I've got a little bit of experience with, with your struggle in terms of praying for someone previously. And, 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 and that situation was turned around for them. And, and could I pray for you? And she was like, I'd love you to pray for me. Uh, my husband's a pastor. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, you're so gracious. So, so me and her friend prayed for her with this situation uh, by the canal in Avoncliff. And, and you know, it, I was way out of my depth, and it was good. You know, isn't God good? Today, today I want to I, I talk about us being out of our depth, because, folks, I, I believe that the water is rising. I believe that the water table of God's Holy Spirit is rising. I believe the water's rising. Let me read you um, a few verses from Ezekiel 47. Uh, the ones on the screen, I'm going to read a couple of verses uh, before that as well. Um, Ezekiel chapter 47, I'm going to start at, at verse 1. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out to the north gate and led me to the outside of the outer gate facing east. Anyone give a geography and figure this all out? Um, the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward, with a measuring line in his hand. He measured off a thousand cubits and then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. Lord, I want to be more than ankle deep. He measured me off another thousand cubits and, and led me through the water that was knee deep. Lord, I want to be more than knee deep. He measured me off another thousand and led me through the water and it was up to my waist. And he measured me, he, he measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. Who knew that there was swimming in the Bible? A river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Folks, do you, do you see it? Do you see that the water table of the Holy Spirit is rising? Do you see it? Ezekiel was uh, a priest about the 6th century BC before Jesus. The people of God were in exile and, and he had been in exile for maybe about 25 years. And, and Ezekiel is full of these amazing pictures, visions. Some of them, quite frankly, are, are, are really odd and difficult to understand. But they have a richness with them that has its threads all the way through Scripture. And you see the great scriptural recycling going on as God speaks again and again to different people at different times. And in this passage, uh, we, we, there are a number of things that precede it. Let me give you a few of the headlines. First of all, chapter 40, the temple is restored. Chapter 41, uh, there is this new temple. Uh, chapter 42, the priest's room is restored. Oh, and by the way, Jeff, just a little correction. Just 
just for clarity for me, it's not Anglican, it's African, I think. So just for, because otherwise, you know, we might need to do an audit or something. Um, some people will know what I'm talking about. Um, the priest's rooms, and the priest's is all of us, by the way. You and me, men and women, the people of God, the priesthood of all believers. 43, God's glory returns. And God says, this is the place of God's throne. I will live among them forever, 43 verse 9. And then the altar is restored in chapter 43, and Israel is restored in chapter 45. And then there's this picture. There's another echo of this in John chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Are you going to raise it up in three days? But the temple that he was speaking of was his body. These things that are spoken of in, our, in Ezekiel are fulfilled by Jesus. And his spirit is poured out. Folks, I don't know about you, but, but the context that we, we find ourselves is, is slightly bonkers. But before we get on to the context, let me, let me ask you, yeah, how, how deep do you want to be? You know, are you, are you at the point with following Jesus where, you, where you're, you're, frankly, you're happier on the beach? You know, you've had your pina colada, okay? You've got your ticket for the holiday. It's amazing. You know you're in the vacation of a lifetime. Eternal life has just begun. It's fabulous. You get to lie on the beach. You get a suntan. You don't have to do any work. It's going to be glorious. If that's your picture of heaven, go and read the book. You're still going to have to have a job with work and stuff. You know, there's going to be things to do. It's going to be great. It's not going to be just pina coladas on the beach. And he's asking you if you want to, if you want to come into the water. Are you ready just to, you know, sit on the edge and dip your toes in so you don't get too cold? Or are you ready to, to go out into the depths? To get out of your depth so that he carries you where you want to go. Let me tell you another story and then we'll talk about the context and the chaos. Um, uh, I, I try and be attentive to the, the, those little nudges of the Holy Spirit. And a number of times this has happened to me. A, a guy that I got to know when we were living in Canterbury called Terry. Uh, he's, he's no longer with us. He was a, uh, a chronic alcoholic and a street fighter. And I used to talk to him and, and pray with him. And, and whenever we first talked, he'd be all super angry and be kind of, you know, he'd often show up at church with, with fists bloodied, having fought someone. And he'd be all aggressive. And, and I'd talk to him and listen to him. And, 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 I'd, and, I'd, and then I'd pray with him. And more often than not, whenever I prayed with him, I, I'd... I'd I'd pray with him in the name of Jesus, and I'd pray, pray with him in tongues. And he'd become like this soft little cuddly teddy bear, and he'd rest his head on my shoulder. And I remember one time just, just getting this nudge from the Holy Spirit, uh, and, the, and the nudge was a, a slightly odd one. It was, buy Terry a Bible. It's like, 
Okay. <laughs> right. Christian bookshop in Canterbury. Went to the Christian bookshop. Found a Bible. And I was like, and, and the Holy Spirit's like, not that one. The red one. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I buy the red Bible. Get out, of the, get out of the Christian bookshop. And I'm like, okay. What am I supposed to do? Hang on to it. He said, just walk. Walk out of the city. Canterbury's got a walled city. And I, and I walk out of the city. I'm going, okay. And immediately I come out of, the, out of the walls of the city. There's Terry sitting on a bench, off his face, with his girlfriend. And they've just prayed. And the prayer that they've just prayed is, God, if you're there, get someone to bring us a red Bible. I'm like... Folks, don't, don't, don't miss out on the little nudges. Don't miss out on the little nudges of the Holy Spirit because honestly, sometimes I, I, I'd prefer to go, okay, half the time I got this bonkersly wrong and I'm prepared for that. But I'd do that for the times where the Holy Spirit breaks in and I've, and I've heard right. And it turns someone's life around in a moment. The context that we're in, folks, is in, in 2024 has got its roots right back in, in the financial upheaval of 2008 with the crash of, of Lehman Brothers Bank. It's got its roots in, in the social transformation that we've seen in the last 20 years where we've become disconnected from our past where we've sought uh, rebellion from the social and moral codes that we have inherited, and we have replaced them with something that is entirely incoherent and is now at the point of being irrational. This has been fueled by the internet. And maybe we, you know, I still have hopes that, that it's a good thing and that it'll help to reconnect us. And it'll help us to talk. But the reality is, is that it causes division. Bill Gates, in a recent interview, put it like this. I will admit that the people who drove the digital revolution, including myself, really thought that the world would get more rational. But he says there's a lot of crazy people out there. They were just not finding each other before, Gates says. And now, with digital tools, he said, Oh, you think that crazy thing? Me too. Let's get together and have a critical mass of crazy people. And let's call ourselves QAnon or whatever else the list is. You know what was intended, maybe in some circles, that they hoped would be something that would be good? is actually toxic and has helped us to get where we are now. We live in this age of globalization, of power struggles between world powers as well as small groups, where poverty is rife, slavery is rife, climate change, and folks, and you kind of fail to have missed this in the news. You know, we, we just don't know what the next year five, ten years is going to look like, and we could find ourselves in a third world war. And we've currently got war in Europe and in the Middle East and many other places. And this last two weeks, you know, 
one of the political conversations has been around conscription in this country so that we can get the troop numbers up to half a million. Uh, half a billion. Oh, I can't remember. Whatever the number is, you know what I mean. Half a million. You know, there is, the world is not a, is not a pretty place. But folks, as people who follow Jesus, I believe that we can have clarity in the chaos. And the clarity comes in the midst, in the middle of the muddle and in the midst of the madness. And we as followers of Christ can receive clarity in the chaos. Forgive the crazy amount of alliteration. I couldn't help myself. I don't know about you, though, as well, just to kind of put it in a wider context as well. Um, Just to put it in a wider context, you know, as I look at all that stuff, I am so glad that I'm not an atheist. Have you got any idea how much faith it takes to be an atheist? Seriously, it takes such a huge amount of faith. You know, how, how on earth, in the context of all of that, could an atheist have hope? Yet in the context of all of this chaos, I have hope because I know Jesus Christ. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist because I, I don't have enough faith that you can, without a creator, produce something out of nothing. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist because I don't see how carbon can self-assemble itself into life without the nudge of a creator. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist because how can matter produce morality? That's what atheists believe. I, I, don't, I don't have that much faith. I think atheists have got more faith than I have. I, I'm just believing in the simple, that Jesus was God, is God, and was raised from the dead and is here now by the power of his Holy Spirit, and that he's coming back. I mean, I just believe that simple little thing. Yeah, you believe that it's something out of nothing. Wow, you've got a lot of faith. More than I have. <laughs> Have that conversation with the next time you talk to an atheist, by the way. For me, I, I look at the world and I know it's chaos, but, but I see the hand of the Creator in everything. In everything. And it's wonderful. Folks, can we, can we just talk about the end of the world for a moment? Oh, that cheered us up knowing, didn't it? Here's the question, where's your focus? You know, because when it's chaotic like this, I don't know about you, but, but, but I've been here, at, you know, there's a number of us in this room. There are a few of us, uh, quite a lot of us actually, who are, who are younger. You won't remember some of these things, but there have been one or two wars before. You know? And, and I, when, when those things kick off, you know, some of us as Christians, well, our heads go to a funny place. And we, like, we look at the chaos, and then we look at the book, and we line the two up, and we go, oh, man, Jesus is coming back today. And I'm like, hang on, where's the focus? Our focus is not to be on the chaos, yet Jesus tells us to read the signs. 
It's not to be on the chaos, but we're also supposed to see the signs. Yet it's also not to be on the future, the date when he'll come back. Yet we're to keep his return in mind. Does that make sense? You know, our focus should be on what Jesus has done and is doing right now. Let me just unpack a couple of verses for you. Matthew 24, 36. But the hour, but the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels, nor the Son. That's Jesus talking. Uh, Jesus is saying, I don't know when I'm coming back. Jesus, uh, the Father has marked the date and he hasn't told me. Here's the thing. If he hasn't told Jesus, he's certainly not told me or any of you ever. That's, that's how that verse works. And, and, and if you want to read before that, it says this. Watch out that no one deceives you. There will be wars and rumors of wars. And when that happens, what are we to do? Panic! No. It says, don't be alarmed. Don't panic. It is chaos, but you're followers of Jesus. You don't need to panic. Don't be alarmed. This is not new. The end will come, and when it comes, you'll know it. How will you know it? Jesus will come back in power and glory, and you will know. (laughs) Without a doubt, you will know. We will all know. Verse 23, look, here's the Messiah. It says, Jesus says, don't believe it. When he comes back, you'll know. That's the point to go, ah, right, now it's him. Great, good, we got that checked. Two things, power, glory, clouds, all Jesus. You'll know, okay? So don't worry about it. Here's the other thing. Acts 1, 4 to 8, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Jesus is just about to go off on the clouds before he comes back. And the disciples are like, hey, listen, you've done all this stuff. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to set everything right? Are you going to free us from the Romans? It's a huge question. And he's clear with them. It's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Instead, or but, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Don't focus on this. Focus on this. You'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. Focus on what you know Jesus is doing right now, pouring out his Holy Spirit. The water table is rising, folks. Focus on that. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. Folks, we've got a job to do. We have got a job to do. The timing is up to him. We have a job to do. When he comes, what he'll institute is a new heaven and a new earth. We're not going to get to drink margaritas on a cloud in heaven. That's not how that works. All dressed in robes of something, I don't know. He's going to come and make a new heaven and a new earth. And he will be with us. Everything will have changed. There'll be no more pain, 
No more crying. You see, the thing is, folks, that, that still small voice, that, that, that moment for all of us, which can be any moment in any day where the Holy Spirit speaks, if our focus is in the wrong place, on the wars, on the chaos, on the trouble, if our focus goes on to those things, then we can miss what he's doing right now. Um, some of you will have seen this uh, little video that we're just about to play. Um, uh, don't shout out the answer. For, let those who haven't seen it enjoy it. Uh, this is an awareness test. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? It's, it's an old video, but no one's made a better one yet, as far as I know. Isn't that beautiful? 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? <laughs> focus is important. When our focus is on the wrong thing, we miss the important thing. We miss what Jesus is doing now by the power of his Holy Spirit. We do need to watch, but we watch with a sense of noticing. You know, a, a, a counselor might say to us, what, what did you notice about that? What did you notice? doesn't mean that's where our attention should be, but it's important to notice these things. Of course we should. If our, if our focus goes on the dates and the times of these events, we will miss the main event, which is the work of Jesus on the cross and his present outpouring of his Holy Spirit now because, folks, the water table is rising. Are you ready to get wet? Amen. How do you go deep? How do you go deep? How do you, how do you move off from the shore just from getting your tippy toes a little bit wet where you've got your, you've got your ticket into heaven because you, your sins have been forgiven and you know eternal life has started, but you just want to kind of keep a little bit wet on the edge of the shore? Like that. Dip your toes in. That's a nice place to be, isn't it? Yeah? How do you go from that to the fullness of what he's got for you? I think the first thing is, is that you understand the reality of who you are in Jesus. What you think does matter. If you're thinking as mine does and yours will do, doesn't always align with his thinking, then what we need to do is keep coming back and going, Lord, come on, come change my mind. You know, that's repentance. Ch change my thinking because I get this wonky. 
you know, I think stuff about me and I think stuff about you that isn't true and, and I want my thinking to be aligned with yours. Do watch and listen. We can't just bury our heads in the sand for what's going on in the world. We do need to watch and listen, but it needs to be in the right way. Don't be afraid of taking the next step, of getting out of your depth. For some of you, for some of you, the next step might be, okay, one of those words that Jeremy gave at the start of the service, I just haven't been able to get it out of my head. Okay, I'm just going to come and ask someone to pray for me. The next step might be that you just go to work nine to five every single week. Well, every week, every day of the week, you know what I mean? And, and you've got a disconnect between what you do in your day job and here on a Sunday. Can I say that whether you're, do, whether you're doing something that you can attribute as meaningful, you know, one of the caring things, or whether you're doing something that, you, that feels entirely abstract and you spend half your life just staring at Excel sheets and trying to minute meetings that are rather dull. Whatever those things are, Jesus wants to be involved in every single one of them. He wants to speak with you about the colleagues that you sit next to. He's got something to say. He's got something to say. A friend of mine used to do um, research and development stuff for, um, for the NHS, and, and he was amazing because what he used to do whenever he was given a new project is he just used to say, uh, Holy Spirit, um, I, don't, I don't really know how to do this. Uh, what should I do? And he'd pray, and the Holy Spirit would give him stuff. And it was amazing. And it tra- what it did is it transformed his workplace. Some of you, there's a disconnect between what's going on in your family, in your world, your immediate world. And you need to hear what Jesus is saying to you in that place. Because he loves you and he wants to speak to you and bless you. Folks, take the next step. Be willing to get out of your depth with Jesus. Because the water table is rising. Folks, all of this stuff is, is not for us to practice in a building, although it is good to practice in a building in a safe place together. But all of this is for Monday morning at 9 o'clock. All of this is for when you do the school run. All of this is for when you have to go to the job center and go, ah, it all went wrong, help me. All of this is for you walking along a canal and overhearing a conversation behind you and going, what, really? You want, you want me to, how do I pray for that? <laughs> and just having the courage to go, yes. All of this is for the transformation of the very fabric of our chaotic world. And we get to join in. And next week, Jill is going to come and share how, as a church, we're involved in doing some of those things here. How we're involved in making a difference in people's lives. So we're going to share that stuff because there's not a disconnection between the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and when God uses us for the transformation of society. Yeah? 
Those two things are the same move of God. You know, folks, it doesn't matter what the chaos is. The price has been paid. The outpouring is always greater than the chaos. Why? Because the price has been paid by Jesus. Our destiny is settled. It is done. There is an internal overflow. We had that picture this morning, uh, that reminder of John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, and the overflow, the internal overflow of the Holy Spirit welling up to us, welling up in us to eternal life. The outpouring of heaven is always greater than the chaos because there is this internal overflow, but there is also an external outpouring where the Holy Spirit loves to rest on his people, and even those that don't yet know him. He loves to rest on his people, on community. And folks, this is for outside, not just in here. It's for your desk job. It's for you being in a school as a member of staff or as a parent. It's for transformation of the whole world. Folks, the waters are rising. Will you stand with me and we're going we're gonna to step in?